morning. How is everybody today? Everybody woke up to uh, probably a nice chilly morning. I know we had a fireplace, a fire in the fireplace last night. That smelled great and felt great before we went to bed. It, it's, uh, I always enjoy the, the changing of the seasons and uh, just what that means. And, and of course, as we come into this fall season, that means pumpkins and pumpkin pie and all that good stuff and warm fires by the fireplace. Um, Pastor Scott has been doing a series called God's War. He's been going through God's War. And I know that he used these uh, verses here just a few weeks ago in part of the series that he's been uh, preaching on. And I wanted to come back and touch on just one little section in this particular passage that he preached on uh, about fighting this God's war. And the title, if I had to put a title on this message, it would be God's War, Persevering Prayer. Persevering Prayer. And perseverance is, is something we're going to talk a lot about, but it's not easy uh, to do. If you look in the verses that we just read, beginning at verse 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me. So here Paul is exhorting us to pray all the time. And it almost seems like an impossibility. I, I fail at that miserably. I know I don't pray all the time. But yet in this war, in this battle that we're in, not against flesh and blood, we're told that we need to be praying all the time. Have you guys ever been asked to do anything that seems to be impossible? Has anybody ever, ever been asked to do that? I wrote down some things that seem impossible. Maybe they are to some people. Can you read with your eyes shut? That's, that's an impossibility, right? Can you fly without assistive devices? And I'm not talking about throwing each other off of buildings, but like actual flying, right? I know teenagers, please don't go out and do that if there are any in here. Don't jump off the buildings. What about walking on walls? Has anybody here ever been able to walk on walls? And I'm not, again, talking about, oh, <laughs> exactly, Lionel Richie's dancing on the ceiling. You know, that was camera trickery. But we can't walk on walls either. Just step upside and, and start going up the walls. Uh, be in more, place, more places at one time than where you currently are. I know I could really use some clones of myself to get some other things done. Be in multiple places at one. Once, and this, this last one is actually kind of funny, have you ever been able to lick your elbow? And somebody's going to try that before the day's over, I know. Um, I did when I was preparing for this. I was like, no, I really can't lick my elbow. Um, there are some people who can because of the way their shoulder is, but it's a near impossibility for most people. And yet sometimes we're asked to do impossible things or what seem to be impossible. This past week, uh, at school, most of you know that I, I teach at Summit Charter School, uh, middle school math. I also have the opportunity to coach sports throughout the year. And one of the sports I coach is cross country. And we had our tri-state conference championship. And this season, I've asked uh, our team members on both our boys and our girls teams to, to step up and do more and more and more. And, and they really have. But they can't do everything without ending. We'd get out and run sprints. But at some point, they have to stop. We'd get out and run hills. At some point, they have to stop. We'd get out and run laps around the school. And at some point, they tire out. And they have to stop. 
but I asked them to do it and keep doing it over and over and over again because they were in a race. They were, they were trying to win this race, and they did. They both came home with the, the championships, both our boys and our girls' teams, because they persevered even when they didn't want to, even when they didn't feel like they had the energy left over to, they continued working on the skills that I asked them to work on. And that's what praying without ceasing or praying at all times actually means. Paul exhorts us to pray at all times with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance and for all the saints in these verses that we just read. He makes this even more clear in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. And I'm going to flip over there real quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning of verse 12, it says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Oh, let's stop right there. That's a hard one. Rejoicing always. Have you ever been in a situation where you just feel like, why? I can't rejoice. I can't rejoice always. But there is always something that we can find in a situation to say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I am where I am because of you. And I know that you love me. And I know that you're here with me. Rejoice always, even in the midst of what seems like deep hurt and trouble. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That pray without ceasing, again, we have this idea of nonstop, continual prayer, persevering prayer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's another one that just seems impossible. God, I just had somebody that was hurting my family, or I've got a family member that is sick and dying, or I just went to a funeral of a close friend or loved one. How can I give thanks during these times? Again, there's always something that we can rejoice and pray for. But give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So in this exhortation to the th church at Thessalonica, Paul says, in addition to doing all these other things that seem impossible, and I know you don't want to rejoice always and give thanks for the things that seem bad in your life, but as you're doing this, I also want you to always pray. And, I, and I've struggled with this. How can I always be praying? I've, I've got to go to work. I've got to go to school if you're a student. You know, I've got to run errands, pay bills. There's things that I've got to get done. How do I always pray? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Here we are told by God through Paul that in this war we are fighting, again, not against flesh and blood, that to get through this, we must pray without ceasing. We must be constantly praying and looking for opportunities to pray. So how do we pray at all times or without ceasing? This does not mean that our entire life should be nothing but prayer. But rather, we should have a life that is centered on prayer. When we find the opportunities, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of these, but when we find the opportunities to stop and pray, we should. Because Satan has a weapon that he's using against us. And, and Scott has talked about some of these uh, weapons that Satan is trying to use against us to keep us doing the things 
keep us from doing the things that God wants us to do. And he's very, very good at using this one, especially in my life. Have you ever told somebody, I'll pray for you and then forget? And I'm just going to talk about this one quick little opportunity here this morning because it's a big one. I've done it many a times. You see somebody, you're talking to them, you're having a great, great conversation. How's life going? If you ask me, it's always I'm better than I deserve because I am. But sometimes we get talking about the details in our life and there are things that are happening. You're like, oh man, I'll be praying for you. And we walk away and we go home and we forget about that conversation. We forget that we told that person that we would pray for them because we get busy. Life gets in the way. Things begin to happen. And we forget until we see that person again. And I don't know about you, but that's when I'm like, oh, I told them I'd pray for them. And I didn't. And I didn't. It, it becomes something that becomes so routine to say, I'll pray for you. And then we walk away knowing that we probably won't. And we've missed a great opportunity in this war, this spiritual war, that God says that we are in to pray for our saints all the time, with all supplication, to lift one another up, to intercede in their behalf before God. I don't like telling people that I'll pray for you because I know I'm going to get busy and I'm probably going to forget, which is exactly what Satan wants. He does not want us to use one of the most powerful spiritual weapons that God has given us, and that is prayer. We go throughout our days and we get focused on the minutia of what's right in front of us. We get focused on the task at hand. We get focused on the person that is there in front of us and either the troubles they're bringing or the help we're trying to give. Or maybe we have our own troubles and we get focused on our own troubles. And instead of stopping in that moment and praying and saying, God, here I am and I need you, we forget. We tend to be selfish beings. And that's one of the reasons why we forget, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Just because you are a Christian, just because you're a believer, you have Jesus Christ living in your heart, does not mean that you are going to be perfect at prayer. Again, I admit that I am not. It's something I know that I have to work on. Kelly and I were talking about that coming down the mountain this morning, just some of the spiritual disciplines that we need to focus a little bit more on, and prayer is one that I know that I need to focus more on. Because all too often it goes by the wayside. Praying at all times includes the conversation you're having at work or school or the grocery store or even in front of the post office. Uh, a couple years ago, I say a couple years, a couple years right before we moved up here, um, I met my um, former high school geometry teacher in front of the post office in the town we lived. We got to talking and just reminiscing and, of course, how long it had been since uh, I had seen her and she had seen me. And she got to talking about things, found out that I was in the pastorate, pastoring a church. And she goes, Orlando, can I get you to pray for me? And she started telling me all these things that she wanted me to pray for her about. And I looked at her and I said, Mrs. Morgan, can I pray for you right now? She goes, well, yes, absolutely. So we walked out of the doorway just over by the wall of the post office, and we stood right there and prayed. Number one, I wasn't going to forget. Number two, she was getting what she was asking for. 
three, we were interceding together on her behalf to our Lord and Savior. It was getting done right then. And on top of that, we were also able to be a witness and a testimony for everybody else who was walking in and out of the post office doors. Now, that's one example. But when we stop and we take the time right then, I don't have to worry about whether I have forgotten, whether I've told a lie, or whether Satan is going to win by keeping me from praying like I said I would. Do it right then. Do it right then. And that's just one opportunity. We should pray whenever asked, whenever prompted by the Spirit. That is what it means to pray with perseverance. Pray persistently. Pray without ceasing. Again, I know that can be hard, but some of us drive around these mountain roads and we've got time to ourselves. Pray. Some of us are stuck in a cubicle at work or some office at work. You're sitting there and you're having a stressed out day. Pray. Teachers, we, we get a planning period. We've got that next class getting ready to come in. Sometimes I have to pray. Lord, help me get through it, right, without losing my job. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to stop and pray and say, Lord, I need you. Or how about, Lord, you're wonderful. Thank you for the great day you've given me. Taking those moments to stop and to glorify him. I want to talk just a little bit about three reasons why we should pray. Obviously, we know that we're in this war, we're in this battle. We're trying to help God, not that he needs our help. I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why he chooses any of us to, to be on his side, but he has. And he's asked us to do this one thing among many others, and that is to pray. And I don't know why he's asked us to do this, but as we do, why should we? I think that's an important question to answer because if we don't understand the why, we don't understand the reason behind what we're doing. Otherwise, it just becomes something rote that we're doing over and over and over again. It just becomes words out of our mouth that we don't necessarily mean if we don't understand the why. The first reason why is because prayer is powerful. Prayer is, I'm sorry, prayer is purposeful. I'll get to powerful here in just a second. Prayer is purposeful. My apologies. Every prayer has a purpose. You may open your mouth and say, Lord, bless this food. You've got a purpose in that prayer when you sit down with your family to pray over dinner. You may open your mouth and say, Lord, I need you in this moment. I feel alone. It has a purpose. Or your prayer may have multiple purposes. You may praise God one minute. You may ask for a request the next minute. You may sit here and thank him for his blessings in another minute. There could be multiple purposes in one prayer, but every prayer has a purpose. And Jesus gives us a model in the Lord's Prayer back in Matthew 6, chapter, or chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Let me turn back there real quick. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. I'm just going to read this real quick. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. How much time do we spend alone praying in an alone space? When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. 
and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This shouldn't be something that we're wanting to stand out and boast about, but this is a time for us between us and our Father, a time to come together in secret and have this conversation. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't say the same thing over and over and over again. Be purposeful in your prayer. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Wow, that's pretty powerful, right? Well, why do I need to pray it then? Because he wants to talk to you. He wants to hear your voice. Kelly knows that I love her, but unless I say it to her, it doesn't have the same meaning. We need to talk to one another when we're in relationships. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this model that Jesus gives us, some of the purposes for prayer are we're supposed to glorify God. Hallowed be your name. You are wonderful, magnificent, holy. We are to glorify God. We are to seek God's will. We need to ask him, what is it that you want me to do today? How can I be more like your son, Jesus Christ, today so that when people see me, they actually see you? And that can be very difficult as well. We are to put our full faith in God that he will provide for all of our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. I struggle with that. I want to control what's happening coming in and out of my life on a daily basis. And sometimes I just have to let go and say, God, it's yours. I can't control this situation. But we need to trust God that he's going to provide for all of our needs. We need to ask for forgiveness. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm not perfect. And I sin regularly. And I have to stop and say, Lord, please forgive me for that one. I know I should not have done that. Lord, forgive me for not doing this one, right? Sometimes sins of omission can be greater than sins of commission in our lives if we're not careful. God, help me to do the things that you want me to do. We're not only supposed to ask for forgiveness for ourselves, but we're also supposed to ask to help us forgive those who hurt us. I tell you, that can be really, really hard. Because I know my flesh, when somebody hurts me, what I want to do is I want to get them back and go, Ugh, gotcha, right? I mean, that, that's what makes me feel good. But that's not what Jesus says is the right thing to do. Jesus says the right thing to do is to pray that God will help you forgive others. Why? Because he has forgiven me. And if he can forgive me for the things that I have done to him, why can't I forget others for the forgive others for the things that they have done to me? And that's ultimately what it boils down to. If God can forgive me, surely I can forgive others in my life. We're to seek God's divine path, the path away from sin. Lord, I have this temptation, I have this addiction, I have this habit. In CR, it's called a hurt habit or hang up. And Lord, it is getting to me. Help me stay away from this. 
Another purpose for prayer here. And again, Jesus closes with we are to recognize recognize God's power and glory. Because God is all-powerful. He deserves all the glory. We deserve none of it. We deserve none of it. Now, these aren't the only reason, but some very good ones that we can use to pray when we are wondering what to pray about. You have a moment at work, instead of clicking on that next website to see what's for sale on Amazon with Black Friday deals and Cyber Monday and everything else getting ready to come up here in a month or so, stop and pray. Stop and pray, God, how can I be a witness to the people I work with? God, how can I be a witness as I walk through the grocery store? God, how can I be a, be a witness at work, in my classroom, to my peers, to my family? Am I being the father that you want me to be, the mother you want me to be, the child you want me to be? How can I be more like you? Number two, here we go. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Do, do we truly understand how powerful prayer is? Tell you what, I've seen some pretty amazing things over the years that God has done because of prayer, because we ask. Jesus says in Matthew 7, chapter, or chapter 7, verse 7, right after he models the Lord's Prayer, that if we ask, we will receive what we ask for. That's pretty awesome. That is some really good news. Now, I don't think that if we go in front of God and say, Lord, what's the Powerball lottery up to? Over a billion? Lord, if you will let me win the Powerball lottery, I will be the best tither you have ever seen in the church. Right? I, I don't think that that's what God is saying by if you ask, you will receive. In, in previous life, I've done that. It, it hadn't worked. Okay. I don't think that that's what God's talking about. I do believe that what he is talking about is that when we are in concert with, with, in, with him, when we are in a relationship with him, and we are doing what he's asking us to do, that the things we pray for are going to be the things that he wants for us in our lives, and therefore he is going to answer those prayers. God, help me to witness to this person at work that I've been extremely scared to talk to. Help me to invite them to church. We have a wonderful church family here. Let's just get them plugged in. That's the first thing we could do. Lord, help me to shy away again from this hurt habit or hang-up that is just keeping me from the relationship that I know you want me to have with you on a daily basis because instead of focusing on you, I focus on what makes me feel good. But I also know that that's hurting me. It's killing me. I'm losing the war, not helping because of my decisions. Prayer is extremely powerful. But when we pray again, not selfishly, but in God's will, he tells us we will get what we ask for. Here's, I read through several different passages and just looking at what prayer has done in the Bible, prayer can defeat demons. It overcomes our enemies in Psalms. It conquered death in 2 Kings. It brings healing in James. And God, through prayer, opens eyes, changes hearts, heals wounds, and grants wisdom in James. 
These are just some of the things that prayer can do when we stop and ask. And Jesus says, if you ask for these things, you will receive them. Prayer is extremely powerful because we're asking not for something that we can do of our own will, but rather we're asking God to do it for us. Through prayer, when we ask for something, we are saying, Lord, I know I can't do this on my own. I need for you to do it for me. Our greatest moments with God come when we are most humble. When we are most humble is when we are on our knees. Our heart is bowed before him saying, I can't do it. I need you to do it for me. That is when God can use the power of prayer to work in our lives and the lives of those around us, those who we are praying for. The third thing that I want to mention about prayer is that prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a wonderful privilege that is something really quite new from Jesus' time, if we stop and think about it. In the Old Testament, there were only two people that were ever allowed to enter into God's presence. If we, we think all the way back to when God was putting the law in place and he was telling the nation of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt to start collecting everything to build the tabernacle, a dwelling place for him to be able to be with the people, nation of Israel. He set up the tabernacle so that way there was a holy place and then behind this really thick ornate curtain was the Ark of the Covenant and God's presence was there in the Ark of the Covenant and only two people were ever allowed back into that Holy of Holies. Number one was Moses. And Moses interceded for the nation of Israel many, many times. I think about him going up on the mountain and coming down and him being in the presence of God and his face glowing because he had been in God's presence so much and it scared the nation of Israel. They were like, whoa, we don't want to do this. This must be pretty scary being in God's presence. And so Moses would take and put a veil over his face when he came down from the mountain so the people wouldn't see his face glowing. But when he'd go back up in front of the Lord, he'd take that veil off and be in his presence. Well, the same thing happened once the tabernacle was built. Moses was allowed to go back into the Holy of Holies to be in God's presence to intercede for the nation of Israel. The other person was the chief priest. But the chief priest had limitations on when he could go in. It was only on the Day of Atonement. And if he wasn't ceremonially, ceremonially, mm -hmm, I can't say it, you know what I'm trying to say. If he wasn't dressed properly, if he didn't come in with the, the, the smoke and the lanterns and everything else, doing everything exactly right, God would strike him dead. And so just in case that happened, the other uh, priest would set their entire rope around his foot and as the chief priest entered in to the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood around the Ark of, Ark of the Covenant or on the Ark of the Covenant, if something happened and he were to die, nobody else was allowed back there to go get the body. They could at least pull him out with a rope attached to his foot. Two people allowed to be in God's presence. But Jesus' death on the cross changed all of that. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, and he finally said to Telestai, it is finished. In that moment, the ground shook, the ground quaked, the dead began to rise, and the curtain that was in the temple, hiding the Holy of Holies, ripped from the top down, exposing the holy place where God lived. And in that moment, it wasn't just the chief priest that had access to God's presence, 
presence, every single one of us have been allowed to go into God's presence through prayer. Now guys, tell me that's not a privilege. Tell me that that is not something that we should cherish and hold dear because we don't have to hide from God. Instead, we can bow our heads, we can bow our hearts, and we can say, Lord, I am here in front of you with nothing separating us. Lord, I ask you to please help me, to help my family, my friends, my coworkers, whatever your petition happens to be, that you are no longer hindered to have to do that through somebody else. When we pray, we are truly in the presence of God, just like Moses, just like the chief priests. What a powerful and awesome experience that is, that God allows us to come before him in this battle that he's already won, this war that he's already won, to come before him and say, Lord, these are the things that are on my heart. I need you. And God says, you know what? I'm going to answer that for you. He doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want. Many of you may have heard a message that I preached a couple years ago on my youngest son, car accident, being in a coma and everything else. I wanted God to heal him immediately. But what God did was he had me trust him and begin to have faith the size of a mustard seed that he was the one in control. And instead of my son waking up and asking for steak and potatoes like I thought he was going to do, I could see God one scoop at a time moving the mountain that was in front of us and slowly bringing my son back to a place where he could function and live. Instead of being told that he would never walk or talk again, he's working and doing everything that he needs to. God will answer prayers according to his will, according to his time, not mine. But being able to come before him and say, Lord, I just can't do it anymore. Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege. And it's a privilege that we have in, to be able to come to the general, the one who has already won the war, to be able to speak with him and say, here are my needs. And him go, if you ask, you will receive. What a blessing that is. Perseverance is tough. And persevering prayer is tough. Stopping, being intentional, to find those moments to pray all the time can be very tough. It is easier to quit, and many times we do, but when we do, we've lost the battle within the bigger war. We have to find those opportunities to pray, because when we don't, the enemy wins. My cross-country runners had to persevere. That day, this past Thursday, as they were running laps around our school on the course, they would run by and be like, great job, one lap left, great job, you know, whatever, two laps left, one lap left, etc." And they kept going and they would look at me and I could see the sweat and determination on their faces and they kept going. But because they persevered, they won. We have to persevere. But it's not easy. Sometimes it's going to be at those points where our bodies are tired, our minds are tired. We're just sitting here sweaty and the work that we've been doing all day long, maybe we have been out ministering to people. And we're just like, I can't do another minute. And the Spirit lays something on your heart and says, I really need for you to pray about this right now. You're just like, why me, God? And the Spirit goes, because I need you. You're the one who can best pray for this. 
We can't quit. Paul even says it's not easy. This war, this race that we're in. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I, I love how Paul wraps this letter up here. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's fought the good fight. Ladies and gentlemen, we are fighting every day against things that aren't flesh and blood. But a war, a battle every day, no less. He has finished the race. A race is tough. Sometimes you can see the finish line at the end and you just want to stop and walk across. Don't sprint all the way across that finish line and enjoy the victory at the end. And We're headed towards that finish line. We can't quit now. God's war requires persistent prayer. Every time we think about it, there is something we can pray about. Rather than picking up a video game or our cell phone to see what's happening on social media, we should stop and pray. Every time we get the opportunity. But it's not easy, and that's why Paul coaches us to persevere. So we, we can say we have no regrets that we gave our all. So maybe one day we too can say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. It's in those moments when we can look at other people and say, I did the best job I can. That's what it means to win the war. That's what it means to win. Unlike other things, persevering prayer is not impossible. And it begins with us today has to begin with me. Again, this is, this is an area of my life I know I need to work on. If you ever want to know what I'm working on, listen to what I'm preaching. I know a lot of pastors shy away from that, a lot of preachers shy away from that, but listen to what I'm preaching. That's what I'm working on. I think if we're honest, we can all say, I need to work on this. I need to be more persistent in my prayers. I need to take the time to, to pray for that person right when they ask for it. I need to take a time at work to just stop in the middle of the day and say, thank you for a great day, Lord. It doesn't have to be an hour long. But just stop and praise God. Ask God for his help. Thanking him for who he is. But there's one prayer. I want to make sure everybody hears this. There's one prayer that if you haven't prayed, is more important than anything. That is praying to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Because the moment you do that, your war has been won. If you have never stopped and considered that your sins are keeping you from a relationship with God, if you have never stopped and considered that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you, he wants to save you from your sins, if you have never asked him to come into your heart to change your life, to be your savior, that's the first prayer you need to pray. Because until then, everything else is deaf ears. And it's really easy. All you have to do is say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that you died on the cross for my sins, for me. And I ask for you to come into my heart and be my savior. And truly mean it. And if you truly mean it, Jesus will send his spirit to live within you and you'll start seeing amazing things happen in your life. That doesn't mean you're going to go from uh, a life of turmoil to a life of roses. 
That's not what I'm saying at all. We, we've talked about the fact that the Bible actually says Christians are going to be persecuted. But it does mean that the war has already been won. Maybe you have something else on your heart that you need, need to be praying about. You're struggling in your relationship with God. Uh, Lord, I'm not a person who prays a lot. We, we've got benches here up front for the church to be able to come and pray. You can pray in your seat. You can come up and ask me, one of the elders or deacons, to pray with you. Maybe you've got something going on in your life, a family member that's in the hospital, hurt. You're just not sure how you can keep taking and piling on and piling on and piling on and dealing with it. Lord, I'm under so much stress. Let us pray for you. We're here. God does not want to see you suffer. But he does want to know that you want him by your side. And that happens when we talk and we communicate with him. So today, we're going to have a little bit of time for prayer. The musicians are going to come up, and they're going to play, and they're going to close us out. And in those moments while they're doing that, you're going to have the opportunity to open your heart up in a posture of humbleness to God and say, Lord, here I am. Help me to pray more persistently, to pray without ceasing. Or maybe it's that prayer of, Lord, I am a sinner and I need you in my life. Whatever it is, the altars are open. The Lord is waiting. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your purpose. He wants to work powerfully in your life. He wants to know that you understand what a privilege it is to be able to come before him and say, Lord, I need you.